HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Roberta's Pizza. Roberta'spizza.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. some kind of crazy big football game last week, Dancing Sharks. I don't know what was going on, but uh, we were on a brief hiatus, and we're back this week on Arts and Seizures as ever broadcasting. Live from Roberta's here in Bushwick and sitting in the McGuire chair. I am Judy McGuire. Is is, uh, Judy, your beard is so thick today. What's up? <laughs> uh, well, we here at Art Seizures, we scan the world like 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 wide world of sports. What's my boyfriend again? Spanos Stavros. <laughs> and um, we went so far to find a, a co-host slash guest today. I went all the way back into the restaurant to drag him off the bar. It's Patrick Martin's, our old friend, founder of Heritage Radio, and uh, co-author with me. It's his book, really, uh, of the Carnivores Manifesto. And I figured. Since I wrote a book with you and I helped you raise your child, Max, I didn't really have to do much more research than that. Good to see you, Patrick. First of all, it's Patrick. <laughs> and it. thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan, Mike. Uh, Long time you know, listener, first time something. <laughs> as your only listener for the first season, and now you have millions, and it's nice that you remember the people like me and I, you bring me back. I, well, I had to climb over you to get to this lofted position here on the radio station. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, you asked me. I'm no longer a host. I came back and I hosted the main course for the first time in like, uh, you know, six, ten weeks. And how'd that go back on the We radio. interviewed Christina Lecky, who's the chef of the Breslin, and Tucker Schwartz, who is in charge is an artist and is in charge of all the catering events for Roberta's. Well, having you guys, it's like having Seinfeld before me. You know, it's like, it's like the must. And yeah, CTV lineup. Anybody coming after Seinfeld was guaranteed. Uh, well, to let everybody down, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Has there ever been a number two show that follows that became successful? 
Like it's hard to say spinoff shows. I, I, I'm, many. I, I'm sort of like your Jeffersons to your. I'm the Jeffersons to your All in the Family. I was thinking more Maud. I'm more like the Rhoda to your Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> I was thinking more Maud, but whatever. <laughs> B. Arthur. Listen, the booth is laughing, but she's far too young to get any of these jokes. B. Arthur. That's a good. <laughs> she was old. Um, Do you remember B. Arthur in the thousand year, ten thousand year old man with uh, uh, Mel Brooks, and he's like, "I am a philosopher." They're playing way back in like the Jesus days. Like, I'm a philosopher. I think about things, and I talk about things, and I break them down. And she's like, "So you're a bullshit artist." <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here at Arts and Seizures. Um Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit is the coin of the realm. Um, speaking of which, how's it going with our book, The Carnivore's Manifesto? It has, I didn't see it climbing up the bestseller list this yeah, week. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. I mean, uh, maybe it needed uh, more marketing from us, uh, more of a social media presence from us. I, mean, I don't think I, that many people have read it, to be honest with you. Um, it's a good well, book. Well, I, I, I uh, beg to differ. I think the book is out there, and it's, uh, it's seeping into the culture. Seeping. Seeping. It's, uh, it's seeping into the culture. It's climbing up. I mean, Like I, oil and you know, water. I'm surprised, actually. Um, I was out last night, and a couple people came up to me and said, oh, my God, I loved your meat book so much. So, and I don't know. It, it's there. And it's Maybe happening. they were talking about Joe's book, Restaurant Man. <laughs> um, well, he has the benefit of being a TV star. And, uh, well, you're just a, How many shows does he have now? You're a former radio star. Have you been a guest on his shows ever on television? Uh, no, but we just cut some videos uh, for our Led Zeppelin wine tasting uh, program, so that's something to look forward to, where we pair uh, great wines with our favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Mm, very and, nice. You know, Celebration Day, for instance, called for uh, sp- sparkling wine, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. and on and on, and no stairway to heaven. Well, I'll tell you what, though. You know, I loved writing this book with you, and I'm really proud of this book, um, and our, our tour was great. And it's one of the top people, 10 books you've ever written, you once it's, said. It's uh, definitely one of the top 38 books I've ever written. Um, I love going on the road with you. That was a lot of fun. And uh, I mean, I was playing my guitar inside a butcher shop. So did you ever think we would be friends? I mean, you, you really, we spent uh, two days a week for six to eight months together. Well, this right? cemented it. We were friends beforehand, and I wasn't sure we were going to come through the other side holding hands. But uh, but here we are. Yeah, you're very patient. You're a very slow walker. Like, like, You'd like, be like, like fucking I'm... Job, patient-wise. Let me tell you something, buddy. I have a question <laughs> speaking of Job. Whatever happened to Ham? Uh, it was one of Noah's kids who went off by himself. Ham. What was his story? I think he's in uh, Pearl Jam now. Oh, he's in Pearl Jam. <laughs> um, Good so, for him. So well, what, um, let's talk a little bit about the Carnivores uh, Manifesto. Um, I think one thing about this book that did um, hurt our marketing of, of the book, aside from the fact that we got hammered by the whole Amazon hashtag feud, though, is that the book was marketed in the sort of the picture on the cover is this big tank of red meat and I, I never really liked this cover because it just seems so caveman and so like testosterone and you know and, and tailgating and cooking out and it's not what the book was about it's so not what the book is about book is more about peter singer's animal liberation you know uh he wrote a seminal book in the 70s about animal rights and he was against factory farming and against experimentation on animals like for shampoos and stuff and he was absolutely right and and this was really part of that former vegetarian movement that kind of eats meat but wants to know how it's okay and this laid out the 50 ways to eat meat and help improve the world at the same well, time. Well, it's not even just about meeting, eating meat. It's about sustainable, uh, a sustainable food system, but it's about living well. It's about having fun, and it's about eating, too, and, and eating for pleasure, which is nice because I don't see enough of that in food writing that people forget that you know eating is 
fun and it's pleasurable. And sometimes you know, it's nice. It's nice that it's nutritious. It's nice that uh, we're a country that spends more time and money on dieting than on eating. That, that's what uh, Carlo Petrini uh, said. It's just amazing. He said if his grandmother had known, saw this country that spent more money losing weight than actually putting food in their mouths, yeah, she would be appalled. And she's Everyone right. is always worried about things. They come from a, a not me of obviously. I'm letting myself go. Yes. <laughs> no, you're you're good. You're. Uh, five feet tall, uh, three hundred pounds. I think you're totally in shape. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to go. I can I can cannonball with the best of them. Um, well, you know, we should talk go uh, through a couple chapters of the book. I was thinking, Patrick, and I want to revisit a couple of my favorite. I'm still very proud of our chapter about uh, sleep with your butcher because. Um, you know, as tongue-in-cheek as that may be, it is really about having personal relationships with your vendors, uh, with your butcher, with your, you know, your baker, your candlestick maker, but with your bartender and with your grocer and the guy that sells you produce. And you married the cheesemonger. Well, I had a big fallout with my candlestick maker, and I don't want to bring that up. But I will say that if you don't shop at five to six stores every single week, you're probably not a part of the sustainable food movement. Going to Whole Foods, they're a very valuable, uh, you know, store but you know that's not the only place to go you have to go and support the people who are professionals and specialists I, I agree, and um, I, I support several different bottle shops, wine shops in my neighborhood, uh, mostly because if I st- just went to one shop, they would know me as a dipsomaniac, and I'd probably have my... <laughs> do you go in knowing what you want, or do you go and say, help me? Well, you know, I know I go uh, a little both, a little both. I go in with an idea, and, you know, maybe, um, you know, they can help me focus what I want. I might say, hey, let's go to Italy tonight, and, um, you know, and uh, I want to spend under 20 bucks, or I want to spend 30 bucks on a bottle of wine, and, you know, here I'm having uh, the Arquette with the Broccoli Rob tonight, or we're having meat for dinner, or or whatever it is, you know, what, what do you think? And especially when I want to go uptown a little further and say, hey, you know, we're um, you know, New Year's Eve. We made uh, uh, steak au poivre. I wanted a nice Bordeaux, uh, you know, you know, $50, $60 bottle of wine, a couple of $60 bottles of wine. I definitely need some help picking Do you out. go to South Africa and Chile, or do you stick with Italy and Napa Valley? I, you know, I don't. And I, sh- I should more spend more time um, I think no. Chile, I think the opposite. But, stick with what you I, know. But I think there are some really good, nice wines, you know, um, coming out of those parts of the world and you know lately um, I've been buying wine from Oregon uh, Pinot Noir from Oregon is fantastic and it's undermarketed relative to the Pinot Noirs from California and it's which one is the one that goes sideways the longitude or latitude is the same as Barolo Barbaresco Ah, which is so you know the best. Well, but that, <laughs> but unfortunately, doesn't mean that the soil is the same or the, or the. No, no, it is. It's very similar. It's just the tetwar is different. The tetwar is different. Well, let's talk about tetwar for a second. That's a word that you invented. Uh, tetwar, of course, is of the earth, of the land. And tetwar, well, the very first war there was was titwar. That's how humanity started, and then it <laughs> evolved into tetwar. Many, many centuries later. So, um, so the tetwar. So basically, what you're doing with tetwar is giving us some head. Yes. Explain tetwar. Um, well, uh, tetwar is terroir of the mind. Tet being the French word for head, of course. Exactly. So, and tetwar. war, knowledge. So tetwar is knowledge of the tit. Tetwar is knowledge of skills and uh, creative energies that are passed down from one creative to another. That's right. So, like, it can be a bunch of philosophers in Greenwich Village creating a tetoir for existentialism, but it could also be uh, in the kitchen of Chez Panisse, you know, where one person is just inventing new vegetables like mosh and, uh, you know, growing a whole culture of food in, in the... Northern California. And, and I love that because uh, we live in New York City. Probably There's probably more talent per square foot than any other place in the world. And Where, in Brooklyn? It, in Brooklyn? Maybe in Brooklyn now, but in New York City as a whole. Certainly and Portland, be, Oregon, you once and, said? And, well, Portland, Oregon's got its own tetoir of its own um, sustainable culture. And uh, um, 
obviously, you know, in Chicago, all these great electric blues come in Chicago, New York, and a tetoir for jazz. I mean, New York's just amazing because there's so much literature that comes out of New York and, and more recently Brooklyn and art, and it created a, a, a culture that could foster, you know, abstract expressionism on one hand and uh, great pizza ovens on the other. What about footstools in Blaine? The footstools in Blaine or the, or the wrestling masterminds in Stanford, Connecticut. That is actually a very important tetoir. Do you still watch wrestling, like, uh, season to season, like, during the regular season, or do you only watch the big events well you know it's i haven't been following as closely this year honestly after um our Who friend, are the top personalities after after our friend cm punk uh walked off the wwe set i honestly lost a lot of interest in it because it just hasn't been as funny as it used to be in a lot of ways and wrestlemania is coming up and i'll tune back in but this is the first year in many years um that i haven't really been following i'll tell you what a bigger problem is i don't have a baseball team I had a very bad divorce with the New York Yankees. Why? Because of A-Rod? Um, well, because A-Rod, when he signed with the team, not now and all this shit that's come out and the fact that he's a cheater, we all knew he's an asshole. Um, but I knew it then when they were paying him. What was his, what's his salary? It's like, you know, it's like the gross national product. Well, they were of, continuing a uh, salary that was started in the Texas Ranger right, system. Right. But it was just this crazy amount of money. And, you know, he never seemed like the kind of guy you, know, you wanted to hang out with. And, you know, and he already caused rifts the second he got there with a the cheater. But it has to do with, like, listen, corporate sports suck. I don't like the Steinbrenners. I don't like George Steinbrenner. I know everybody loved him because he was buying all these winning teams through the late 1990s, and that was a great team. He actually didn't but buy did, Actually, but, they, well, all, they, uh, they only won in the late 70s with him. In the 90s, the, he had been suspended for tampering, you know, well, or well, doing well, things. The, it was, well, was Dick Michael that built those teams in well, the 90s. There's the whole, well, suspended. There's that whole um, Dave Winfield thing, the Harry Spiral gambling mess. But, you know, I never liked Steinbrenner. He always held up the city to build a new stadium when he was going to move to New Jersey or this. There's a huge I don't like the way that he, well, that's why he was a felon. He was pardoned by Ronald Reagan. You know that. The final moments of the Reagan presidency. He really? pardoned Nixon. Um, he pardoned Steinbrenner, and he was a felony. He had been convicted of, of illegal campaign contributions to the Nixon campaign. Mm-hmm. And it was a really sleazy way he did it, too. Um, basically, he was having his employees at American Shipbuilding kick back their bonuses to uh, uh, creep the committee to reelect the president or whatever, you know, the Nixon campaign fund. Creep. And, and then asked them to, to um, lie about it, you know, on, under oath. They asked, you know, um, asked them to perjure themselves. That's kind of kind of really slimy. So that's why he was a felon. That's why Billy Martin said about um, Reggie Jackson and uh, um, and George Stein, George Steinbrenner, you know, one you know one's a liar and the other's a felon. Oh really? Um, Why? But, what was but, what was uh, Reggie Jackson? Oh, like? I think I think Billy and Reggie never got along. Yeah, they did. They've gotten a big fight. Right, yeah. in, in, at the stadium in front of all the but, people. But, you know, I lived through Billy Ball, one, two, three, and four, and Stick Ball, and Stump Ball, and, and uh, you got Buck, Billy Buck, Bucky Ball, and Dallas Ball, and, you know, all, all these things. And, and I love well, I loved Billy Martin, and I love Joe Torres, like, like everybody else in New York did. don't like the way Steinbrenner treated him. Um, I don't like... First of all, I don't like the fact that my tax dollars support their business. That really bothers me, and I, it, it's a private industry, you know... You know, Bruce Springsteen has played a giant stadium like like dozens of more times than the actual Giants have. Mm-hmm. You know, and he contribute and he pays taxes on the money that he makes in the state of New Jersey, unlike the Giants, which you know, you know, get away scot free because they want the team there. It's just bad economics. Anyway, there's a big thing corporate in corporate baseball. I didn't like the way they treated Joe Torre. I don't like the new stadium, twenty four hundred dollars seats. I know that's you know you can get in for twenty five bucks. I think to the bleachers, but the point is it was so tone deaf and just so you know cold to like long 
short-term fans, you know, guys like me, they cannot afford to go to a baseball game and spend $200 just to walk through the gate. I used to go to 25, 30 games a year. It was $5 to get in uh, to the game, and, you know, it, it was great. It was less than a movie. Well, I mean, the they also changed. made the stadium much smaller, which makes it nicer and more intimate, so as, therefore they have to sign. I'm never going. I've said it so many times in public that I will never step foot in the new Yankee Stadium. What? Never. Yes, you will. Never. Shea Stadium, you always go. I mean, you I've just been to City, go to City Field, what do they call it now? It's a nice facility. It's not charming in any possible way. You know, it's not like, you know, Camden Yards or some of these wonderful baseball Camden parks Yards is a collage of all the other stadiums. They it's put a, it's, the, it's that's pastiche. Not, it's pastiche, but they got it right. They you know? need to create their own sense of identity. They have a statue of Babe Ruth in front of Camden Yards, the man most responsible co- from keeping them from winning championships over an entire century. They should hate Babe Ruth. <laughs> I don't care if he was born over second base, uh, you know, or whenever it was. It was an old house before it was a stadium. That's why they never win. They are not. They have no identity. There's no anger there. Whereas like Philly, they might might suck for 10 years in a row, but then they'll win a championship. The Orioles will never win a championship <laughs> until they redesign Camden Yards. Well, maybe I should be a, be a Baltimore. They have the old polo maybe I, should become, maybe I should become an Orioles fan. So the question is, though, so I don't have a team, so when I watch baseball, and I love the game, but I don't, I don't have a horse in the race anymore, so when I'm watching it, I'm not rooting for anybody. So what is it? I'm just watching art? I mean, what, I feel like, like this emotional detachment that I really needed to watch the game. And I love the game of baseball. Maybe you're free to be a Fairweather fan. Like, you have a good excuse, so now you can just go with the team that turns you on the most. Detroit Tigers, Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, I had no problem. Like, you know, there were certain teams over... over uh, I mean, I used to like that the Brewers team had such a great team. Because they were beer. And, and, because the guy would jump into a big thing of beer every time they did it online. There, there, there was that. You know, um, you know I liked uh, the A's teams in the late 80s before we all found out that they were all juicing. You got to still love respect. the A's now. They still are kind of like a sure. money ball kind of. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So maybe I will just have to pick a team, but I got I to gotta get back into it. It's hard. Not having a team is kind of. You strike me as a Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh fan. Pirates fan? Yeah. It's local-ish. Ish. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Do I like those yellow uniforms? See, there are all these things to consider. Yeah, the old hats. Remember, there was like a, there was like a high rise. All these things to consider. I like the Yankee uniforms. You know, I like that they don't have their names on the back of the uh, home uniforms. It's kind of you cool. either like them or like you the don't. Pinstripes. You can't like their uniforms, but not. Well, like you know, them. it's like the Yankees are like. You have to it's like an ex girlfriend that you know I sort of kind of publicly wish well, but like when the when the Red Sox beat them, I was like feeling like great glee inside. I once went to. I used to go to the bleachers all the time, like you were saying, and there was this little kid once. It was they were playing the Seattle Seattle Mariners at the time Ken Griffey Jr. was the best player in baseball and this little kid ever he was a center fielder which is the position closest to the bleachers and every inning this kid would go up and say Mr. Griffey Mr. Griffey <laughs> and he did it every inning it was mind numbing by the bottom of the eighth finally Ken Griffey looks back and the entire bleachers fall silent and is like, what is this kid going to say? And the kid's like, fuck you! <laughs> and we were like, yes! And we carried him back to his parents in like the 20th row and like, you raised a great kid. That is awesome. That's the kind of emotional sophistication that the sport has been lacking of late. Well, I find. There's no more edge. You know, all these players, they play golf with each other. They're friends. They're all doing ads together. In the old days, you know, there was always a ribbing. You hated the other team. That's why I like players no, like a guy, Kevin guy, Garnett. A, a guy comes into in, you know sliding to second base, with Ginger, his, gingerly sliding yeah. to second base. Don't no slide their spikes up high anymore. Because they like, don't want to end his like, career. Hey, Earl, how's the wife? How's the kids? Yeah. You know, There's um, no edge anymore. That's why I like these old school players. I mean, I can think in basketball right now. Kevin Garnett. He's an old school guy. He will 
hate the other team, no matter who they're playing. I like that. You know, that's the way. Well, you got to throw. You got to throw be. an elbow once in a while. And if you're a fan, you got to yell at the other team. I uh, went to the Clippers game uh, with our season tickets at the Nets, and Big Baby Davis, who's a very big uh, player, you know, very fat for the other team, and I was like, Oprah, Oprah. <laughs> that's I was not like, very nice. nice, nice ups, precious, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I was like, uh, no, that's the way you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to get in their heads. No, you, you got to razz the other team. So I'll tell you what, we're going to take a break. We've been talking about meat. We've been talking about baseball. Um, I brought some meat music with me today. Uh, remember when we were on tour and we were doing gigs in butcher shops? That was something else, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway. I've always said, of all my musician friends, you're in the top 500. Thank you very much. And, uh, and among my, the people who've um, founded Heritage Radio, you're... Uh, in the top 90 percentile? Something like that. Okay. Thank you. Here we are in Arts and Seizure, and it's, uh, it's not the meat. It's the motion. It ain't the beat, it's the motion Makes your daddy wanna rock It ain't the beat, it's the motion It's the movement that gives it the sock Now I had a girl so do gone thin No meat, no bones, she was just all skin one thing about her I can understand She wraps all around me like a rubber band It ain't the meat, it's the motion Makes your daddy wanna rock It ain't the meat, it's the motion It's the movement that gives it the sock It's the motion Makes your daddy wanna rock It ain't the meat, it's the motion It's the movement that gives the sock You find some girls who are big and fat Some fellows don't like to see them like that But I like to see them big and tall The bigger they come, the harder they fall It ain't the meat, it's the motion Makes your daddy wanna rock It ain't the meat, it's the motion It's the movement that gives the sock My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's A super duper awesome place Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor Of the Heritage Radio Network We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, what's up? This is John Norris, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. All right, we're back. Arts and Seizures. And uh, don't forget, Heritage Radio is listener-supported, and we count on you to keep the show running. So if you're listening on your uh, computer machine and you see a button that says Be a Member or Donate, don't be afraid to click it, and you'll get some kind of groovy tote bag in the mail. Maybe even Patrick will come over your house and cook you a pork chop. Yes. So we're here with Patrick Martins, author of The Carnivore's Manifesto, and... Uh, the Carnifesto. The Carnifesto, as you like to call it. Um, and uh, It's really it's, 50 ways to save the world. 50 ways to save the world. While also eating meat. And yourself. Oh, and speaking of... It's a great, uh, great book. Saving the wow. world. Alexis is one of the wittiest individuals I've ever met. 
She is very, 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 very intelligent. She uh, has blessed us with her presence at the Heritage Foods USA office, and things have never been so charismatic and intelligent and smart before, and sales is proving it. She's backing <laughs> up her charisma with sales. <laughs> well, how about that? Uh, that is that is quite uh, the warm welcome. Thank you. I don't think anyone's ever said that many nice things about me. Patrick, Max is about to grow up without a father, <laughs> Martins, was my nickname until I met you, Alexis. That was, that was the threat I received. No, but um, Alexis is uh, very, uh, you know, quiet. You know, she doesn't make a big to-do about things, but she quietly drops genius all around. And then by the end of it, you don't even notice what's happened, but you just notice that people love your organization and it brings really infuses energy into the whole movement. Wow. Yeah, it's actually We don't get people like her usually. You know, we usually get like some food studies person from NYU, like (laughs) with Mary Nessel. Who I love, but you know they weren't necessarily <laughs> crossing over into more galactic uh, areas, Thank you know, you, levels. Well, all right. I appreciate so, that. So, so uh, you're on the radio this morning. You've taken over Patrick's show. I did. Yeah, Phil. Phil and I are uh, co-hosting um, the main course, and have been having a lot of fun with that. So it's I don't know. It's an interesting opportunity. I would. I never would have thought. And to back up what I'm saying statistics for the main course have skyrocketed since Alexis has been on. And you kidding with a lead in like that? My ratings are through the roof. You know, that's where I got my start on the main course. When Patrick started, uh, this radio station, such as it was, this Tin Shack, um, you were like the only show on. You had like a 19-hour show on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> okay. Had to occupy a radio. It was, just, it was, it was the first it was show pa- of the week and the last. It was just Patrick and, and Katie, and I was like, you know, well, come on in and blab for a while, would you, Edison? And uh, eventually it was like, come on and be the co-host. Eventually it was like, just start your own goddamn show yes. already. No, but for as one-dimensional <laughs> as I am, like as an individual, you know, no, I'm pretty we- much my own way. I, I always did see genius also in people like you, Mike, and you are kind of part <laughs> Part of the undercurrent of society, you know, wrestling, <laughs> porn, all this stuff, and yet it is just as powerful and also a lot more real than what these scumbags at Goldman Sachs and all that do. I mean, that's this is real people, real life, and it's real wit, and wit is a dying art form. You know, the reaction, conversation, back and forth, repartees. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Who? Uh, uh. What happened uh, to Patrick? Uh, I'm just a big fan. came in the studio. I'm just a big fan. Like a Christmas tree. Also, we had a lot of trouble in the studio uh, once. You know, Jack uh, had so many shows that he started to need to delegate, and we had ups and downs. We had great people like Joe, but there were a lot of downs too until Liz came, and now all of a sudden uh, the studio is anchored on Sundays in a way that hasn't been done uh, in a long time. It's so. true. Working with Liz in the booth has uh, been one of the great pleasures of the Arts and Seizures experience. Speaking of great pleasures of the Arts and Seizures experience, I brought along a new toy. Where we're talking about meat. We're talking about baseball. I think we should talk about marijuana. We're about to get munchies. Yeah, and um, well, why not? Because uh, we we are operating marijuana. in a pizzeria. What, what's so that? this is this is like a new toy. This is like this is like the ultimate in new technology. It's a disposable vaporizer. Don't throw it out it, yet. It's um, you know, it's like an e-cigarette, and it's that it comes preloaded with hash oil. What? And this is the kind of thing that you could buy if you went into a, a recreational um, or medical dispensary in Colorado, legally over the counter. But of course, here in New York, I get it on the black market. I got some kid in a bicycle comes to my house, and don't uh, bring up race. And uh, <laughs> well, here, try give, check, check it out, Patrick. So you just uh, hit, hit on that thing, I like hit on this thing, like a hook catch in his mouth. Throw it. Ah. All right. Like an e-cigarette, and uh, I don't understand do I do how anything? they make them. This is the technology. Oh, I feel it, right? How did you That'll get you where you want to go. All right, everyone who's okay. listening, if there is anyone, <laughs> get near your computer. <laughs> Patrick, that's okay. not how technology okay. works. Okay, all, all, all the. All the 
uh, witty repartee is about to go right out the window. Repartee? <laughs> she said titter on uh, on the last show instead of Twitter. <laughs> and what, and what I meant to Talk say about titter. old school. And what happened? I, I, you know, I run the internet media, lit up. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of an expert in these areas. But, I've, you know, people make mistakes. We're, we're human. She's I'm also human. very smart. She's trying to unite Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube into a mega behemoth company called UtwitFace. Yeah. <laughs> it's my million dollar idea. So how's that working for you, this thing? I sh- Let's see. I don't All know. Right. Is my dad listening to the show? Okay, Mike, for those of well, you who cannot time, see, there's the a time, truck full of Doritos that Mike is having delivered <laughs> yeah. now into the back of our The last time we got stoned on the show, we got yelled at. We were doing our Apocalypso show. Originally, it was Apocalypse. Um, that was our big pot tasting show. But then the next time we did it, I wanted to give it a more Caribbean flair, so I made it Apocalypso. And um, apparently, the ventilation system in the studio is somehow connected to like the dining room. <laughs> you smoked out the dining room? Yeah, so like, we were like puffing way here. And since we had one of the owners, Roberta's, in the studio, with us, I thought we'd be clear, but we but we got yelled at. Jack yelled at us actually. Well, uh, he's always trying to keep the you know standards high in the relationship with the Robertas. In the old days, it was allowed. Now with new technology, it might be allowed again. The new technology. So how's that? How's that vaporizer trick working for you? What? Uh, so so what's next? Carnivore's manifesto. We're going to write another book. What are we going to do? Well, apparently, sales. Uh, Alexis has taken on personally a goal, which is again a goal much higher than most people would set for themselves. Well, she has a higher call. Sixty thousand copies 6, in the next sixty thousand copies. Six hundred thousand copies. Six million copies. Unless we sell six thousand, it will not six, be made into a paperback. Six million copies. Mike, did you hear that? I heard that. Six thousand copies for a paperback. We can do it. Let's do it. So, well, I hope everybody out there in Listerland is buying a copy of the Carnivores Manifesto. It's a great which, um, book, Mike. You're not book. just saying that. You don't no, make I believe, any money I, I, by I, saying I, that. I believe in this you book know, very much. I, I, I will throw out a little bit of flattery here since Patrick has been doling it all out. Did you say flabbery? A little bit of flabbery here. You can throw some shade um, if you want, Alexis. I'm used to it. <laughs> I was I was working for Heritage. I was looking for another job. I wasn't, you know, I was doing the part time thing. And you're like, when can I get out of here? Uh, it was just, you know, it, it was just another job. The pork chops are addictive. When the time that it changed is when I got a copy of the Carnivore's Manifesto and I started to read it, and then I realized, like, oh shit, you know, I, there's a lot of things in common. There's a lot of like ideological similarities and just just ways to go about um, issues that aren't proselytizing, but they're just like practical solutions. They're real. It's it was it was very practical. Was Corby Cummer said it was uh, one of the That's food books of the year. We, we were named yeah, in the Atlantic top magazine food book of 2014, in the, uh, the Atlantic, which is nice. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> Corby said that uh, this. This book was like uh, the closest to Carlo Petrini that there is in these shores. Like these words said in this way, uh, a kind of guerrilla style, you know, of uh, throwing out a lot hey, of Patrick, ideas all Patrick, do you think uh, Mike wants to talk on his own? I don't think so. I think you and I could just have a conversation. Go for it, Mike. Go for it. I'm going to play with the vaporizer pen. Alexis is talking. <laughs> don't well, interrupt Patrick. I will say, I learned a lot from writing this book uh, with, with you, Patrick. And But mainly, you know, we came to it from the same point of view that like food is very personal. You put it in your mouth. There could be nothing more intimate than that. We're and, both and, mildly overweight, and we're um, and I am. I, we were both um, <laughs> letting ourselves go. Um, how many pounds of uh, steak meat do I have in or, me in or, my or, intestines or Prudo, right now? Really, right? Five. Um, did we eat at your birthday? I mean, it was uh, Rabelais, the feast we had at your birthday. Rabelais, that's correct. The ass is silent, um, which is coming up again. So Tuesday, you guys can do <gasps> it all over. Happy year of the goat! Uh, oh my god, uh, uh, it is. It's a goat year. It is the goat year. Patrick's been killing well, me on this. So, can, so the Chinese word for goat happens to also be the same word for ram and sheep. 
but it mean it is goat as well. So I, had a I'm, I, inter- I, I interpreted Heritage Foods is about to get rammed because with this new <laughs> campaign of yours. It's happy, happy, almost Chinese. Because year, amongst your many talents, is complete mastery of the Chinese language is. Yeah. No, but uh, so we're doing a big thing. It's the year of the goat. It's the year of the goat, and actually, it's the year of the sheep. No, well, I hope you'll, I hope you'll, I hope you'll bring a goat onto the show one day. I'd like to have a goat as a guest. I mean, there's a chapter of this book that's actually written by a goat, and I'd like to get that goat. On you know, the show. Uh, my uh, my wife's a, a cheesemonger, and we have this plan of sneaking a goat into uh, the Cubs stadium in Chicago. The curse of the Billy Goat. Mm-hmm. That's why the Cubs haven't won. So we would sneak the cub uh, goat in with the national anthem team, and then be like, "The curse is over. The curse is over." And if they do win the World Series, they'll be like, what do you want? You broke the curse. Anything you want. We're like, all concession stands have to sell goat cheese from local dairies. All the concession stands at the Cubs uh, stadium. It would have and a massive transformation. How about the hot dogs? Goat. Goat meat dogs. Goat. How about just a, just a sustainable, humanely sourced beef hot dogs? If we don't need goat meat, um, you know, uh, Patrick, male goats, they Patrick, need an outlet. Well, I'd like, I'd like to know more about you're this. You're going to eat. You're going to. That's too many goats. I'd like to know more about the Star Spangled. Just goat cheese. What was that? The, the, what was that? The national anthem team. The, the people that? that sing the national anthem. You the, bring them in with the drummer. The, the, you put them in the drums. That's the only way to get them in. They're not just going to let you walk. A the goat drums. In. The team. Okay. Well, you don't know. Bring the, you, the bring, you, you bring the goat. You don't know I'll, about the curse of the billy goat. You bring the goat. I'll bring. Uh, <laughs> you bring the goat. The I'll bring. Pen. I'll bring the drums and the hash pen. As ever, it's been the fastest half hour on the internet today. Patrick, thanks for coming. Everybody, please go out and buy the Carnivores Manifesto. Alexis, we're going to listen to you every Sunday at noon, right? Yeah, yeah. live at noon. At noon. So, thanks for having me, Alexis. So, wow, we Zowie. Thanks for having me, Patrick. <laughs> oh, guys. All right. Thanks, Mike that, Edison, that, that, our favorite. Uh, Mike, you're the best. Well, that that was a very relaxed half hour. We'll see you next week in Arts and Seizure. Thanks to everyone in Listerland and Liz in the booth. See ya. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.